from API. This is Energy Tomorrow Radio, your source for information and conversation about the most important energy issues of the day. I'm your host, John Bisney. With me today is API Senior Economist Sarah Banizak, and we're talking about API's Energy IQ Survey. API recently partnered with Harris Interactive to conduct a national survey to find out what Americans really know about some fundamental energy issues. The results, Sarah, showed that many Americans were not only uninformed about energy, but were misinformed. So earlier this summer, I spoke with some visitors here in Washington about the topics in the survey, and a lot of them were surprised when they learned the facts about today's energy issues, and you may be too. So what we're going to do is run through some of the questions, listen to our respondents' answers, and then Sarah and I will talk about the survey results after each one. The first question deals with our oil supply and where it comes from. What percentage of oil does the United States import? 80%. 75%. A quarter to a third? 60, 70%. 33%. 38%. 80%. Okay, I'm thinking 70%. Okay, it's about 60%. Oh. And where does it come from? What's our oh. biggest supplier? I would say the Middle East. Um, Saudi Arabia? Saudi? I don't know, where? Canada. 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 Really? That's interesting. Canada. Stop it. Okay, didn't know that either. And Mexico is second. Really? Saudi Arabia's third. Is that surprising? That yeah, is surprising. surprising. Yeah, it does surprise me. Who do you think is second? Um, I'd have to guess Saudi Arabia then. Mexico. <laughs> okay, surprising. So, Sarah, those people that we surveyed greatly overestimated the amount of oil the U.S. imports from the Middle East. They think it's a lot more than it really is. That's right. More than 50% of respondents thought it was at least double what it truly is, which is about 15%. And they forget somehow or didn't realize that Canada and Mexico are such big energy suppliers. I think that's a surprise to a lot of folks. We have this impression of over-reliance on oil from the Middle East from Saudi Arabia. Yeah, only 8% of the people correctly noted that less than 15% of our oil comes from the the Persian Gulf. I think that's really a shock. Again, we're under the impression that it all somehow comes from the Middle East. We use oil from the Middle East. It's just that we're not completely reliant on them. Yeah. The next question we asked was, how many of the top 10 oil companies in the world are owned and operated by foreign governments? Oh, I'd say three. Yeah, I'd say five. Three, two? I'd say out of 10, probably nine of them. Ten. That's a, that's, a good, that's a good answer. So all ten of the top are foreign, and we import from them? Wow. That's actually really not good. They all are. Out of the top ten biggest oil really? com companies in the world, they're all owned by foreign governments. Is that surprising? Yeah. yeah. I didn't think that. What happened to Texas? <laughs> so, Sarah, there we had Americans really overestimating the size of U.S. oil and natural gas companies compared to these huge companies that are owned by foreign governments. That's right. The 10 top largest companies are owned by foreign governments. You know, we have oil produced all over the world by many different companies, and it's traded globally. It's really a global commodity. But yet our companies don't have access to as many reserves, I think, as a lot of people would envision. Indeed. In fact, U.S. companies are publicly traded and publicly held companies currently have only about 6%, account for about 6% of global reserves. 
but to compete against these enormous companies that really represent the governments of, say, Mexico or, or Venezuela. That shows you why our companies need to be so big to be able to compete on that global scale. You're correct. They're competing with very large reserve holders, and without the ability to compete with such large companies without comparable size, they're on an uphill battle. You know, this brings up an interesting point. There is legislation right now pending in Congress that would change the tax laws a little bit that, in our estimation, would make our companies less competitive internationally. Yep. Congress has been looking at some special taxes on the oil and gas industry, and that's just going to make it even harder for these companies to compete with these large, nationally-owned oil companies. Yeah, and speaking of how well they do, we also asked people, how much money do you think oil companies make in profit based on cents on the dollar? Probably 90 cents. 50 cents? I'm going to say more like 70, 70% or 70 cents. 70 cents on the dollar yeah. goes to earnings. Yeah. What if I told you it was nine and a half cents? Is that right? Okay. I'm surprised again. Oh, they had like the highest earnings last year. So can we go with like 14 or 15%, 15 cents of just profit? All right. That's a little high. Oh, okay. 9.5 cents. Less than you thought? A lot less than what I thought. I was really surprised by some of these answers, Sarah, i got to tell you. They really didn't have much of an understanding of how much these companies are investing in emerging energy. But let's talk for a minute about that, that level of profit. Right. Uh, only 14% of the respondents in on the survey we conducted got it right. Between 6 and $0.10, cents, around $0.9.5 cents on the dollar in 2006 is what they earned. And most people were estimating earning levels much higher than that. And we make the point that these earnings are used in large measure to invest in new technology technologies to help bring fuel to consumers. These oil companies are investing at very heavy rates. When you look at investments in emerging technologies in North America just over a five-year period, 2000 to 2005, $100 billion was invested by these companies in emerging energy technologies. Yeah, that's a great transition really to our next question. We asked people, what about renewable fuels? For example, ethanol, what role will they play in the future? What if we took all the corn of the United States right now and turned it into ethanol, every kernel? What percentage of our gasoline supply do you think we'd be able to replace? Um, I don't know. I'd say maybe 80. Probably all of it. <laughs> Pretty close. How about 15%? Oh, 15%. 15? Okay, that's out of the court. Sorry. <laughs> Let's think 25 years from now. Mm-hmm. What percentage of our energy needs do you think will be met by fossil fuels? Coal, oil, natural gas. 25 years from now, how much will we be reliant on those sources? Uh, I would say like around 45 to 50 percent I'm going to say 20 percent. The government predicts 81 percent. Really? 81 percent is what the government is predicting we'll oh still God. be getting from fossil fuels in 25 years. Sarah, you know, I think some of those answers reflect the fact that uh, people hear a lot about renewable fuels, and I think it's human nature to be optimistic, but yet when you put their projections up against what the experts are telling us, they were off by a lot. Yeah, you know, what's happening is our use of renewables is growing, and in fact, it's growing quite fast, but it's growing from a small base, and our total energy consumption is growing at the same time, so we can't meet our future energy with these technologies. We're still getting new technologies that will help us diversify, and meanwhile, we're going to be using a lot of fossil energy. And that's not, of course, to say that we don't need all the sources of energy we 
we can get. We're certainly open to all sorts of alternatives, but the reality is that oil and natural gas is really going to play a major role for the foreseeable future. Part of what's going on is you know, population is growing, our economy is growing, and therefore our energy consumption is growing. So like you said, we need everything. We need renewables and we need oil and natural gas. Clean burning natural gas will help get us into the future. Sarah, this is a very interesting survey, and I think that it certainly dramatizes that we need to do a better job of educating people on some very fundamental energy issues. And until people understand these energy issues and understand information correctly, we'll never have sound energy policy. We need to understand these issues to get us into a sound energy policy for the future. Let me ask you, were you surprised by some of these answers? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, what's your energy IQ? We'd like to encourage you to go to energytomorrow.org and watch these interviews we've been discussing, and then take the interactive Energy IQ quiz for yourself. That wraps up this episode of Energy Tomorrow Radio. My guest today has been API Senior Economist Sarah Banizak. Sarah, thank you very much for your time. Thank you, John. Thank you for joining us on Energy Tomorrow Radio, brought to you by the people of America's oil and natural gas industry. For more information about this podcast, or to submit questions for future shows, visit energytomorrow.org. That's energytomorrow.org.